And once again, we caution you. These stories are definitely not for the timid soul. So we tell you calmly and very sincerely, if you frighten easily, turn off your radio now. Having a 40-hour-a-week job doing effects, I was making good money and working steadily. I remember Adam Jones telling me one time that he wanted me to paint something on a tool video. He said, I like your sculptures, but I really love your paint jobs. And I remember that just clicked. It's like, I wonder if maybe I'm better at painting than sculpting. Maybe I should, maybe I should be a painter, like an oil painter. Anybody who's been in the business for more than maybe five years is kind of cynical about effects. We have these great ideas and then they get watered down and they make us do something that's not, we know isn't very good. When I opened my eyes to it, it really started feeling like it was kind of crushing my soul or my artistic spirit, you know, it really depressed me and that really was the catalyst for trying to get out and do my own fine art. Bonus material podcast. I'm Tom Carnell. And I'm Langley West. Episode 178. 178. 178. Um, I just got off work. It's <laughs> a long story about that. Um, we have a guest, and I'm super excited about this. Yeah, we. It's this is awesome. Um, we, um, as I've said for the last couple shows, we've had a really good run of guests that we've been wanting on the show for a long time. And this guy is one of those guys. Absolutely. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome dark art extraordinaire, Chet Czar. Hello. We, we insert <laughs> people clapping there. Yeah. 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 It's, Thank it's, you for having me. It's awesome to have you, man. I've been a long, long time appreciator of, of your stuff. I see it around. I see you around, and I'm just beautiful. Yeah, it's oh, thank you. your your stuff is uh, it, it evokes. Uh, uh, I don't want to say a primal feeling, but it evokes. Mm-hmm. Um, it reaches down into your swamp, you know. Into, <laughs> it, it, it does. It, it reaches down into my swamp and it pulls that stuff up and all that stuff that's wiggling around in your hand from the muck. Uh-huh. That I love. You kind of own that. Yeah, exactly. I'm just like, <laughs> yes, somebody yeah. gets it. Somebody understands. Oh, cool. Cool. Thank you. I would Thank also you. say that there's a there's a tinge of a nightmarish quality to it. That that mm-hmm. it's it's at once horrifying, but it's also at once kind of familiar and close and and mm-hmm. and primordial. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think speaks to what you were saying. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, it's all intu- an intuitive process for me, so it just is kind of what comes out. And um, my <clears throat> primary goal is just to make sure that it's true and real, you know, and not contrived or trying to say some point or whatever. It's more just trying to be like real, as real as I can possibly be, you know. Yeah. Toward that end, when you get ready to work on something, I mean, do, do you sit down and you go? I want to explore isolation, or, or do you just start? Yeah. Or do you just start going and and? I, I guess I want to talk about that first stroke. That first stroke, pen to paper. 
That uh, feels the best, that first stroke. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? No, 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 I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm, for me, it's that, it's that first sentence where I think I'm either on to something or you go, this is going to take work. <laughs> um, but talk to me about that. Tell me, tell me about that. Well, I don't, I, I don't use, usually uh, start with a theme or anything just to, to uh, speak to that point. Um, it's 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 all been a, a very intuitive process for me. Like I said, I mean, occasionally if I have a show and I think, like for example, I have a show coming up in October, and I thought, oh, villains would be a cool theme. I haven't announced this or anything yet, so I'm going to do a show where it's like villain portraits and and sort of kind of play off my take on on archetypal villains because I thought it would be fun. But generally speaking, it's. Uh, I, when I first started painting, I thought I want to um, create the same way I did when I was a little kid, which was I felt like when I was the most myself and the most pure and the most real, is, and it's when I did it when I was a kid, for the pure joy of doing it, you know, without thinking, oh, I'm so important, i got to make a statement, or <laughs> I have to do make my mark, or whatever. When you're a kid, you're just like, this is fun, I want to do it, you yeah. know, and, and and it's real and pure, and so... That's you know my uh, prime motivation and and technique for creating. But as far as you know, starting um, it, it all starts. I guess that kind of does relate to the the childlike way I, I approach things. Is I I just kind of doodle. I, you know, I just pl- play around. I play. I take. I approach it in the spirit of play, basically, and just play and sketch for fun until I see something that looks like oh that's kind of cool, and then I'll build upon that. And then like when I get this uh, sketch that I think, oh, that's going to make a great painting, then I will, you know, kind of plan it, plan it out how I'm going to paint this thing and do a study. And it's a little more methodical than it used to be when I first started painting. It was a little more um, <clears throat> improvisational and just kind of started. But it's just, you know, as you get better at something, you you find uh, approaches that work for you. And, and I And I enjoy this kind of methodical approach at this point in my life. That's really exciting, isn't it? That like oh, when, yeah. when you when you um when you're just when you're just blowing free jazz and you're just kind of doodling yeah. and sketching and stuff. But then when you when you come across something and you're and and you go, that's going to be really fun to paint. Mm-hmm. Oh, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. It, it, yeah. <laughs> totally. And that's my main thing. It's like not only does it have to be something that I think is a, a great painting. It also has to be something that would be really fun because I can think of a lot of ideas that would make cool paintings, but they wouldn't be that fun for me to paint, you know. So I always try and keep it. I feel like my best work is the stuff that I really enjoy doing. I think it shows in the work. So I try and just do the fun stuff. Really, I'm kind of just amusing myself. Really, I'm playing with go. myself. <laughs> it's I, not, I, I, not. <laughs> I can, I, I can, I can tend it all starts with a chuckle. Like, right. Yeah, whether, I, whether you're a painter or a sculptor or a writer, you, the idea comes and you, you the, yeah. You're like, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. That's the best feeling was when you get that idea. Like, Oh man, you know, it's, you know, even like I, I just posted, I was laughing my ass off. I posted, I do these little, uh, quotes on Facebook that I come up with just when they pop in my head. Yeah. <laughs> I posted one today and I thought it was so funny. It was the same kind of thing where I was like, oh my God, this is so funny. I got to post it. Uh-huh. Which is, ever go to the bathroom and see that the toilet paper roll is pretty low and think, 
I think I can make this work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost like dare. It's, yeah. it's toilet paper chicken. See, for me, it's always, it's always, I've got a bad feeling about this. <laughs> yeah, right. I guess it just depends if you're a glass half full or water half full. Uh, I wanted to share something from um, the introduction to your, uh, your art book, Black Magic, mm-hmm. because I think that th- these two words perfectly describe your work um, and the, the introduction speaks to the fact that you you paint and sculpt with quote terrible feeling <laughs> would you yeah, like agree that. yeah would you agree with that yeah 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 I, yeah it's it's you know I I still I have theories about why I do what I do but you know it's still so personal and and intuitive and I really don't know what I'm doing and I kind of don't know why I'm doing it, but I feel like, you know, it's, it's, it's me. So I got to express it. And, um, and people seem you know, to like it. So yeah, yeah there you yeah, go. Yeah. Well, and, that, and besides screw it, that's up to other assholes like us to figure out like, this is what we think Chad's offers right. about. <laughs> In the meantime, you just do whatever the hell you want. Yeah. Well, I mean, you run, otherwise you run the risk of being like really up your own ass. Right. Oh yeah, right. That's not at all. I'm not into that at all. Yeah, yeah. You know? I hear you. Where did you grow up? Uh, I grew up in San Pedro, California, there which is a little port town, um, out about fifty. Oh no, about forty-five minutes outside of Los Angeles. Okay. Is it San Pedro's like down like? It's like the valley, the right? Uh, it's like down, yeah. like Long Beach, South Bay. South Bay. It's the it's where the the band the Minutemen came from. I don't know if you know the Minutemen, but oh, yeah. oh Jesus Christ! Do we know the what am I? What am I? <laughs> what am I? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's where the Minutemen are from, and that's Mike Watt, the bass player. Mike is, Watt still lives there today. Yeah, man, fanatics. Remember that song? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hilarious. So badass. Were you like a? Were you like Okay. Were you like a? Were you like a skater kid or? Uh, you know, I wasn't really a skater kid. I was like a BMX kid. There I was we go. A, I, was, I was a skater. Let me see. Dude, fifty. BMX I, I, bandits, right? Yeah, I. I, I, I <laughs> I was born in '67, and so. By, by the way, but let's back up for a second. Chetzar is 50. Right? He looks right? like he's 12. Yeah. <laughs> I always have looked young. Ever my whole life, people have said I looked way younger than I was. So uh, I don't good, know. Maybe it's good living. Gen- yeah. Uh, it's genetics. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I don't know. I don't know. My, when my grand grandfather on my mother's side died, he had like a full head of hair and still kind of had color in it. So wow. I don't know. I don't know. I just got lucky in that way. But what I've, you know, I make up for it in the fatness. <laughs> in the groaning. When you, I just find as I get older, I just groan a little more in the morning every day. It's just a little bit more. Uh, yeah, it's like I look kind of like a younger fat guy now, and it's like I kind of would rather look like an older skinny guy, but that's just not the card goes <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, well, as you go out on many of those hiking tours with Mike, I'm sure. That oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. I haven't done that. I've only done one. One one was enough for me. <laughs> <laughs> um. Uh. So, 
at, growing up as a kid, did, was it like, I want to be an artist, this is some sort of thing that I do that sort of makes me feel good, and how does that all lead into um, the effects industry? Uh, okay, so, well, I was always, since drawing since the age of three, I remember drawing at age three, drawing a turtle, and um, always doing creative things and taking things apart and building models and um, started making movies when I was about nine. I found my dad's Super 8 camera and I started making movies and I started totally getting into it and editing them with tape and all that. And um, I kind of wanted to be a director. And then then around uh, 78... When did Dawn of the Dead come out? The original yeah, seventy eight, yeah. seventy nine. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I saw Dawn of the Dead and I saw The Howling, and, and both of those movies were like, oh my god! I was like a, you know, people are usually an American Werewolf in London guy. People that got into effects, but I was like a Howling guy because I saw The Howling first, and so I thought that transformation was just so amazing. And uh, I just, you know, had to know how to do it, and I started just learning about uh, makeup, stage makeup, and sculpting masks and stuff like that. And, you know, so around 12 years old, I got completely hooked. And then I just pursued that all throughout high school and tried to build a portfolio and make, you know, sculpting, making molds, doing foam latex and all that stuff. And then um, got a job about a year after I graduated high school. And then I just worked for, you know, I don't know, 15 or 20 years before I started doing this thing but it was you know i was always doing some some sort of art i just got super hooked on makeup effects and then i didn't veer away from that until you know it was in my 30s and i decided i wanted to start painting well it was right out of the gate excuse me right out of the gate like you weren't working for little indie films you you went you yeah i'm looking at your imdb yeah you went right zoom you you bypassed all that uh well let's see I did before stuff that's probably not on my IMDb my IMDb is really kind of uh, spotty too it's got a lot, a lot of weird things I forgot I worked on and leaves out oh, well, we're going to talk about some of those <laughs> <laughs> but it was I, I did you know when I was when I was in high school I met a friend a guy named Jim Beinke who was like five years older than me and going to Cal Arts and um, as an art student but he was doing rock videos like he did the the mask for you remember that Quiet Riot uh, Metal Health video? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. He did the mask for the video. So he did stuff like that. He worked on Cheap Trick videos, and he did the uh, Magic Mountain Halloween Haunt. And so he would hire me to work on weekends on some of these videos and weird movies like, oh, what's the name of that? Never Too Young to Die and uh, The Wraith. Uh, I worked on The Wraith. Oh, The nice. Wraith. I'm so <laughs> you know, a suit, you know, making that guy's suit. So I, I, I did a lot of weird stuff in the beginning, and then um, I, I got hired out of high school by Tony Gardner, who eventually started Alterian Studios. Damn. But he, he just hired me kind of as like a, a an assistant, and I just kind of was doing little molds for him and this and that. And then he got The Blob. So then my first real movie was The Blob, which was, you know, a pretty big movie. Yeah, that was and then, great. And then it was Dark Man, and, and it kind of just kept going from there. Yeah, I want to ask you about a couple of these. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell uh, you if I Freaked. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's, I did the, cow, the cowboy. Did you? Uh, yeah. Uh, that, that I, I, I interviewed Tom Renoni a couple of times. Right. Yep. And, and we had a blast. 
Yeah, he, he, I didn't really get to know him, but I've heard a lot of stories. He was supposed to be a great guy, really fun, fun guy. But um, I that was cool for me because I got to basically create the cowboy. I it was sort of my job. They just Tony's like, okay, you're in charge of the cowboy, and so I designed it and sculpted it and painted it. And um, Bill Sturgeon, who's a you know old time one of Rick Baker's old time. Uh, mechanics and effects guys was working there and he did the mechanics so it was Bill and I basically created this character. It was fun. Um, Joe, what was the name of the actor? He's like I see him and stuff all the time now. Uh, but cool John, John, John Hawks? John Hawks. Okay. Okay. If you, if you look him up, you'll you'll. He's a great character actor. Super cool. Yeah, guy. We love we love character actors. Well, oh what, yeah, character what, act, actors are the best. One of the cool things about a project like Freak is that there's so many, there are so many makeups, there's so many oh, characters that yeah. that that can happen. It's like, look, we've got to we got to make you know all this shit. Uh, you kid, you you're in charge of this guy. You're in right. charge of this guy, and then you get to do a whole thing rather than oh, I sculpted the you know the the lip. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, that was still kind of in the heyday of makeup effects, and there was yeah. three three um, shops on that show. It was Tony Alterian Studios, just Tony Gardner's shop, and then Screaming Mad George and Steve. Another guy I'm dying to get on the show, Screaming Mad George. Oh yeah, I have a great. Yeah. I interviewed Screaming Mad George in an alley in San Francisco. <laughs> yeah, his band opened up for Guar. Oh my god, cool! And, and yeah, they were. We were in the alley, and there was a fight, and and George was not into it. <laughs> He was not into it. <laughs> Wait, is he still Screaming Mad George, or is he? Does he go by his, his real name? I don't know. I, I haven't heard any anything from him in years. I think he. I thought I heard he moved back to Japan or you're, something. You're gonna love this. As he, for, for what I can tell from Facebook, he's in Japan. He's he works in Japan, but he's also big into Sistema, the Russian Sistema martial art with a lot of that mystical, mystical. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, redirect like, stuff. Redirecting you with your mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, but wow, the, stuff, the, the stuff you see, he's on Facebook, but the stuff you see he's doing is cool. Cool. Oh, cool. That's very cool. Um, yeah. You you were a creature designer on Don't Be Afraid of the Dark? Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that was one of the more recent right. jobs Wait, I did. Okay. Because <laughs> I kind of got out of the industry before then, but Guillermo asked me to work on that, and it was, you know. Uh, what, are you, you going to say no? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I, I never say no to Guillermo. He's like, like the Godfather or something, you know, he calls you up. <laughs> he can't refuse. By the way, that movie, that remake, mm -hmm. I, I, I've heard a lot of people go, "Yeah, no, dude, that is it's a fine. fucking cool movie, man. I yeah. love it." Oh yeah, yeah, it's got some, it's got a lot of uh, excellent qualities about it. It's, it's a fun movie for sure. It's one of those movies where I enjoy the remake as much as I did the original with Kim Darby, and I love yeah. both of those. Oh man, the original was just so. That, I, it was so cool to work on that because the original was one of the big things for me. I mean, how old are you guys? Old. We're we're. I'm 58. I, and I'm oh, okay. And I'm 51. So we're okay, we're, okay. we're all in the so, same wheelhouse here. Right. Okay. So yeah, that that movie for me was. I mean, it scared the shit out of me when I was a kid. So it was so. It's so rare that you get to work on something that freaked you out and that you loved when you were a kid. So it was really. Kind of a, a dream, and doing it with Guillermo. I mean, come on, it's like a no-brainer. Was <laughs> was that one of those cool like ABC movies? It was a made-for-TV mm -hmm. movie, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The week, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I gotta see it again. I haven't seen it in a long time. Uh, I also 
<laughs> I'm sure it's not not that good now, but uh, <laughs> everything gets I can dated. appreciate. It. I can <laughs> appreciate right, right, right. cheese factor at this point. I'm going to also ask you about Warriors of Virtue. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. I <laughs> that love was, that movie. Oh, dude, really? it's a great movie. Yeah. yeah. Come on. Like Kung Fu okay. Kangaroos? Once, once, if you sign on for Kung Fu Kangaroos, dude, you 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 have no complaints. <laughs> it, it, it was, well, uh, you know, I have to admit, I haven't seen it since it first came out, and I thought it sucked. So, I, you know, I, I, I would watch it again and give it another chance and see it for what it, you know, oh, maybe. I'd love to live stream that. You, on your podcast, <laughs> that would be cool. It was that was a cool show though. It w- actually, the the show was cool because it was um, shot in China. So my wife, my wife used to be in the industry as well, did, and did hair hair work and hair ventilation and hair punching and stuff. And so um, we were part of the crew that went to China, and we lived in China in Beijing for four months, which was kind of Come amazing. On. Dude, how yeah. badass is that? And the director, yeah. the director was Ronnie Yu. I know, I know. It was before he kind of got big with the the Chucky films and yeah. all that. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was pretty cool, actually. It was weird, though, working in China because, you know, in, on um, movie sets in, you know, Hollywood, they're, everything's up the code, and, you know, right. if you're walking up in the rafters, it's like you don't worry about crashing through, but they had these, ma- I mean, they had amazing sets. The sets were like old MGM Hollywood epics, you know, like they used to do. They were just huge sets, but behind the sets where you had to walk up the scaffolding where we were doing puppeteering half the time, it was like, you know, a fence nailed down and right, right, right. <laughs> planks of wood. It looked like uh, a kid's clubhouse behind the scenes. <laughs> right, right, right. Don't, don't blow your nose. Yeah. Don't, don't lean on this. <laughs> they don't have uh, as strict uh, building codes out there, so that was kind of scary. But it was it was an amazing experience. Uh, and then another thing I want to ask you about, working with uh, Patrick Totopoulos. Mm, yeah. Oh, man, that was the worst experience of my life. <laughs> <laughs> Working on the awesome. cave. I mean, Patrick's, Patrick's amazing. Patrick's super cool. I loved working for, for him. He's a really great boss, and he was a really great artist. But um, he, you know, he was, it was, and Steve, you know, Steve Wang was doing the creature. You're talking about the cave, mm-hmm. right? I think the only thing I worked on oh, there. Yeah. Um, it was just so... It was it was the it was kind of the, the breaking point where I said I got to get out of the industry at, on that show and it wasn't because of the people it was because the working conditions at the shop were just terrible like it it was too much stuff to fit in one shop and it was in the I remember it was in the middle of summer and every day we had to you know I I did some sculpting but I was doing a lot of painting every day we had to drag everything out of the shop in you know 102 uh. degree heat. And go and paint all day, paint rubber cement and naphtha paint with respirators on in the in a you know under an, an awning kind of thing, and it was just miserable. It was just miser- a miserable experience in that way. And um, you know, there was a school next door. And we're blowing a fan of all this toxic paint, and I'm just going, this is just not good. All the kids <laughs> are woozy. <laughs> we weren't directly where kids are playing, but it was just such a weird dichotomy to see that. And it just felt like at that point, the at that point, the effects had gone down from, you know, the blob and all these cool things I worked on where there was decent money and decent time. And mm-hmm. this was just like, prank it out, really uncomfortable. It's just, oh man, just hauling all that equipment out every day and these big 
bat suits. And painting in the, the sun sucks. Painting in the sun and, and having a respirator on and a, and a you know, Tyvek suit and just being, it was just painful physically. So yeah. that was, and, and that was right around the time. Well, I'm glad I, started, I brought it up. <laughs> <laughs> it's significant for me because it was right around the time. That was one of the things that made me go, I, I have to get out. Yeah. Because right, you know, right around that time, I was starting to show my, my artwork. And I, I knew I wanted to kind of uh, branch out and get into fine art and maybe make that my career if I could. But um, that was one of the things that pushed me. And, sure. and it was right around the time when I started selling a little bit. So I was able to get like a glimpse of what it would be like to just make whatever you think is cool and then sell it and get paid for it. So, you know. The moment, so Chet, the moment Chetzar said, fuck this. <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> So, so that brings up a question: While you were working in the effects industry, were you were you painting on on canvas at the same time? Yeah, not until two thousand. Um, I did. I, I, you know, I dabbled in painting, but I, I've been doing a lot of Photoshop designs, which is digital painting, which is essentially similar um, to oil painting, really, in a way. And I was always drawing and. You know, just kind of doing doing the the art as a hobby while I was working forty hours a week in effects in a way, and um, but I didn't start painting until two thousand, right around two thousand, because I was working on Planet of the Apes at uh, Rick Baker's, and I remember being in a in the trailer on set when I was repairing gloves, gorilla gloves, when they got scuffed up because they were doing big crowd scenes, and so you'd sit in a trailer for twelve twelve hours, and maybe twice a day you. you'd they'd bring some hands in that were kind of scra scratched up and you would just repaint them and touch them up and it was just super boring and nothing, you know, when you're on set you have hours and hours with nothing to do and I had my sketch pad and then I had a bunch of acrylic paints that I was touching up the gloves with uh, I was mixing this Pax paint up and then, and then painting the gloves and so I thought, hmm, I wonder if I can paint I've never really tried to paint, you know and so I painted this little 5 by 7 picture and I was like, you know, okay, I did it. It looks good. I can do this. And then that's kind of when I decided to, to go for it. Nice. Nice. Yeah. nice. Um, before we move on to the, the, your, your process and that kind of thing, I want to ask you about Eduardo Sanchez's Altered. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's a great movie, man. Yeah, and, that's kind of a cool sleeper. I mean, that yeah. was a cool, fun movie. And I mean, those guys were super cool to work work with. They're awesome. That was actually the first time... Uh, that was the one and only time I think that I actually like keyed the uh, digital effects. Like I did all the digital effects on that. Oh wow! Yeah, which is because I was started to get into that before I started painting. Because I was obviously seeing the writing on the wall with makeup effects. So, and I was kind of into digital technology and animation, like on a personal level. I thought it looked kind of fun, so I started learning that, and then eventually convinced uh, Mike at Spectral Motion to set up a little digital department so that we can kind of uh, work digitally on, on the makeup effects that we, we created to enhance them. And so that was the, the first job they got to do that. And so it was me and a couple other people did all the effects. And, yeah, it was... Were you, work, were you working with, like, something like, like a 3D program like Maya or... Yeah, actually it was Lightwave 3D just because that's what I learned on, so that's sure. all I knew. So, but you know that and After Effects, everything was pretty much done in Lightwave and then composited together in After Effects. So there's a lot of weird little things in there that 
You know, like the whole, like, do you remember the guy who had holes? Yeah. That had all that, I forget the guy's name. I did that makeup. Actually, I, I, that's one effect, regular effect. I did that makeup and then um, we digitally removed, you know, the background and made kind of like holes like you could see through them and stuff. Right. Did he have but, like like little green screen uh, pockets yeah, on it? Yeah. 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 <laughs> I think that's how it was. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, it was cool. It was really stressful though because, you know, we didn't really, weren't really set up to do to do that kind of job and I didn't realize what a big job it was. This is well, uh, this is this is the point in almost every show where Langley goes, "Fuck you," because <laughs> Langley spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on, on going to freaking art school to learn After Effects, etc. That everybody else learned on the fly. On, well, uh, YouTube. Okay. And, yeah. Well, t- check this out. I started learning. <laughs> don't feel so bad. <laughs> I started learning. In 98 is when I got my first computer, and Tony Gardner actually started a digital department and hired a guy named Elliot Warman, and um, he was really cool and open about everything, and he gave me all these crack programs that I could, you know, use and learn on, and he was really, he would kind of teach me stuff about how to use Lightwave, and then I just read books because there wasn't even really, you know, the internet was barely even happening then, so it was all book learning and practice and and um, I did get to do some on the job learning that because they had a digital apartment and sometimes we would use digital to design things so you know that's, that's the best way I mean like oh like, yeah look you got to make this oh shit I guess I better figure this out yeah <laughs> that's always been my approach with everything that's like when I started painting and getting invited to shows I would just accept and then I'm like oh shit I've only painted five paintings before. I better figure out a good painting to do for the show, you know, just commit myself so I couldn't say no. And it really pushed me to learn, you know, because right. I had to. Yeah, 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 yeah. That is a, that, that nothing like a deadline. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <clears throat> so, um, I want to talk a bit about, about the painting stuff. Uh, uh, are, some people are really good at, at the creating the work. And some people are really good at promoting themselves. Do you find having to wear those both of those hats difficult? Because I know I do. I have a terrible time with promotion. Yeah, I you know that was one of the things when I first started out. I I knew that I had to learn how to do this if I was going to succeed. And um, so I, you know, I read books. I read a book on art marketing. I looked up everything I could find and tried to teach myself. And you know, at this point, I, I don't mind doing it so much anymore. I, I found that it could be kind of enjoyable if you think of creative ways of promoting things. But it really, for me now, it's like a time issue because yeah. I, I'm, you know, I just have I have a lot of work, painting work and stuff to do and. And business work, which is you know shipping and stuff that because I sell stuff on my website and that's a whole business for me. So it's more of a time issue. I, I don't have a problem with the pr- self promotion aspect. I kind of got over that early because I knew I had to. Sure. I didn't like I didn't like it, but I you know learned to love it basically because it was just necessary. So I knew it was necessary to, to my survival as an artist, and you know I, I was so determined I'm going to make it. I'm going to make this work. That I would, I'll do whatever it takes, basically. You know. Sorry, it's my dog coming in. You're fine. That's okay. <laughs> um, uh, so, but that's kind of 
that's kind of where Mike comes in, right? Uh, yeah. Well, to he, some extent. He yeah, yeah. He's helped me kind of move things to another level. And, um, you know, we, uh, he, he does some work for me as well, promotional work. And, you know, I hire him when I can to do stuff like that. But, yeah, he's, he's, he's been a great partner in all of this. You know, and plus he made the documentary, which was a big promotional mm-hmm. thing for me. You know, I wanted uh, I wanted to bring that up. It's um, uh, I like to paint monsters. Yeah, it's called Chet Czar. I like to paint monsters. Yeah, you know, bury the lead. Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they, it was going to be called I like to paint monsters, and they're like, you got to call it Chet Czar. I like to paint mo- monsters because of the algorithm searchability or something there was some right. technical reason you know it would be easier to find or I don't remember but that's whatever <laughs> it's a great documentary oh thanks yeah. yeah it was yeah it was weird you know just kind of I met him at a um, a, a, a artist retreat I was doing and he had, he had a he we kind of got along and then he, ha- he went home and he had a dream that he was making a movie about me and he you know went to film school when he was younger and hadn't made a movie in like 10 years mm. and then I think he emailed me the next day and said hey you I had a make- dream about you yeah I, <laughs> I had a dream that I was making I don't know if he told me that he had a dream but he's he asked me just because he's like what the hell and for some reason without seeing any of his work I just said yeah that sounds cool I'm into that <laughs> and uh, just kind of intuitively he seemed like a nice guy and um, luckily he wasn't a psycho or uh, you know a evil person but um, and, and, you know he ended up we ended up becoming really good friends and, and I helped him with his Kickstarter for it so that we could raise money and you know it just kind of went from there yeah it came out pretty good I ended up you know sort of being by the end of it, I ended up being kind of an executive producer, which I it's funny because I always wondered what the hell does an executive producer do, but um, or associate producer or something. And mm-hmm. you know, I was just there was a point where I was you know helping tell him how to edit things or just giving my input, not tell him how because he did the whole movie by himself right. pretty much. But I would say, you know, I think it'd be cool if we did this and this and and um, and then. Then it became like a project we were both doing by the end of it because it kind of changed too because it was going to be just about me and then you know halfway through we realized it's kind of you know more about the whole dark art scene you know and that ended up being a really big part of it right yeah. so right right well, by the by the way I, I I just want to mention uh, to folks listening if you haven't seen this documentary and you want to it is available on iTunes this month for ninety nine cents is that correct oh. Jet. Yeah, yeah. That that's what they told us. <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> You're like, I haven't I just, actually checked it. I just I haven't I can't check it because on my iTunes I bought the thing, so <laughs> it doesn't let me know if it's for rent, but I just saw an email this morning that Mike Mike was writing the distributor saying, Hey, it's at three ninety nine, what's up? So I don't know if it's like it might be because it's at like the third of the month or something, but definitely this month it's gonna be ninety nine cents. So okay. yes. All right. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. So awesome. And there's a trailer on YouTube. Yeah. 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 For yeah. folks, for for folks who are not familiar with you, it, it is a great intro. Mm-hmm. Oh, thanks. And you can see the work. Yeah, That's absolutely. Important. Yeah, I thought it was good. I mean, I was it was weird because it was about me, and I had to be, um, you know. Be you know, it's that's just a weird thing to try and judge. But I tried to be really 
honest about it because I, I was just wanted it to be good. Yeah, that was my only criteria with when he said he was going to make the movie. I'm like, make it good, fucker. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and it's like you know, I basically I get I get final say on the cut because I want to make sure it's up to what I consider something I would think was good. And I'm you know I'm yeah. a big movie fan and I know a lot about filmmaking, so so he was really cool about that and I, I was happy with it. Uh, tell me about working f- with Tool. Ah, working with Tool. I um, I met Adam Jones, the guitar player of Tool, at uh, Alterian Studios back when Adam was a an effects guy, and um, I think it was on Swamp Thing, the TV the cable TV series. Yeah, right on. Yeah, like yeah. early nineties, and I think there was Adam's Family or Adam's Family Value was was happening and Swamp Thing, and I'm not sure which either of us were working on. And we just met and hit it off because we liked a lot of the same movies and music and stuff and actually jammed a couple times because we were both trying to start bands, uh-huh. <laughs> which was, you know, funny to look back on now. <clears throat> um, and then he went, you know, he left the business and became super huge with Tool and called me back in, you know, what was it? I, made, I don't know. It was like mid-90s or whenever uh, the Stinkfist video came out. And he asked me to come and help do some body painting and do this one effect for it because they were just finishing the video up. Mm -hmm. This is like their third video. And after that, they hired me to design, uh, do their makeup effects for Anima and Schism and Parabola and as well as doing digital animations for their live shows and and just whatever kind of art stuff they need, they would hire me from time to time. So, yeah, it was great. That's I, awesome. There's two part, parts of that I want to go back to. Number one, bands. You, you, what, what do you play? Uh, I play guitar. How long? For Since you were a kid? Yeah, I started around 17, and I was in a lot of bands. I mean, I've got recordings. If you listen to the Dark Art Society podcast, the intro song is me. There on, you go. Uh, up, up, up recorded through Logic 10. <laughs> but... <laughs> Uh, so uh, yeah, I, I was I was pretty good. I mean, I'm not I've never been a good lead guitar player, but like a good rhythm guitar player, and and my I, I was all really about the songwriting. Mm-hmm. So and I would say I was a singer too. Right on. Believe it or not, um, you were like you were like Malcolm Young. As yeah, a, as opposed yeah, to Angus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, exactly. Perfect. <laughs> and I was so, a big fan of them. Um, that that was my next question. What when it comes to throwing on throwing something on the radio or whatever to while you work, what are you listening to? Uh, it's you know I go through. I think maybe most people do this, but I don't know. I go through phases, and it and it's like I I keep going back. I don't know if it's just because I'm old. But I keep going back to the stuff that I used to like, you know, and um, and have phases. I'm really into a band called No Means No, which is a Canadian oh, yeah. uh, math rock kind of punk band. They're like yeah. one of my favorites. And the Minuteman, I'm a huge Minuteman guy. And uh, Devo, I'm a huge Devo fan. Nice. Uh, but I like, you know, I like Rush a lot. I like... Oh, God damn it. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> what did I say? Oh, everything. my God. Yeah. No, you're no, no, no. Rush, and now Langley's going to do it. Langley's going to be like... <laughs> Tom's going to have to stop Langley from talking about Rush for 30 minutes. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm a huge Rush fan. Yeah. That, was, that was... Rush was my band in high school. They were my big band. It was like Devo was junior high, and um, I got really into Devo before anybody knew who they were. And I got into Rush because... I was into Prague because I thought so much 
rock music was like stupid. Yeah, and so, I, and, and, and I didn't get the punk thing. I didn't understand the kind of smartness of punk at the time. It just seemed dumb to me. And which I eventually later got totally into and, sure. and kind of understood it. But um, I, I liked Rush because they were a prog band that had like hooks and stuff, whereas a lot of the other prog bands were hard to get into. But they were like, uh, prog music attracted me because it's like, oh, this is hard to play. And, you yeah. know, they're taking time. It's not dumb. It's not for dumb people. Like, right. Of, you know. right, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It was like yeah. Thinking, thinking man's music. But so to be fair... Man. A lot of prog can meander. <laughs> oh, absolutely. You know what I, mean? I tried, man. I tried to get into Marillion. Remember Marillion? Oh, yeah, yeah. They were the they were the white boy Genesis. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and even you know UK and uh, hey, but, you know. but they they musically they were they were a fine band. Yeah. UK. UK. <laughs> they, they 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 just they didn't have what Rush offered i thought which was more i guess i hate to say it but kind of more of a pop sensibility within mm -hmm. that yeah you know well, was, especially that first uk record it's like look at me i'm my name's alan holdsworth and i'm going to take you into the stratosphere right yeah, absolutely <laughs> i want yeah first and foremost i want something that sounds good and is catchy you know i'm not so right. much i don't know i like musicianship but that doesn't hold it all together yeah, for me but how much how much Yngwie can you stand? Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Hilarious. Okay, so so you start out right out of the gate, uh, working in the movie industry, doing effects. You're in love with that. You kind I don't want to say disillusion, but then you realize it's a job and it's not cool that people are telling me how to change this and that, and you realize that it's not as cool as what it could be. Yeah, and and you 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 start to make this transition into fine art, mm -hmm. and you hadn't yeah. even been really painting that long, and like you kind of like, okay, this is this is what I'm going to do. Was that was that scary? Uh, you know, it, it actually was in a weird way. I, I remember when I first finally decided I was going to paint. Um, I, and I and I kind of had been messing around, and and I figured out I figured I could paint. I kind of knew I knew enough to, to be able to paint. And when I sat down to paint, you know, my first painting, I was just I completely went blank because I was you know I always refer to it as I was institutionalized in, uh, into the effects business, which is basically a service you're providing, mm -hmm. and. You're always getting input. You always have a starting point. Make a werewolf. Make an alien. Make something that looks kind of like this. You have some starting point. And when I finally was left on my own, I uh, I just blanked because I had no. I was like, "What the hell am I going to paint?" It completely and it freaked me out. It really. Did. I remember specifically going, "Oh shit, this is scary. What if I can't do this um, without some kind of input to get me going?" And of course, I, I did get over that and eventually. Uh, got in you know figured out a way to basically just open up and that's how i kind of arrived at approaching it like a kid you know mm -hmm. sure where you just kind of do it for fun and don't worry about it and uh so yeah yeah it was it was kind of scary starting out but i've always i don't know i, I i've i've never had a problem believing in myself which i don't know if that sounds weird or not but not i've always I feel like, like I always feel like if I put my mind to something, I could probably do it just because I know how I am. I have this kind of obsessive mindset. 
especially if I really like something like computer animation. That is so outside of my wheelhouse. I'm not. I hate math. I'm bad at math. Actually, I like math. I'm just bad at math um, and numbers and things like that. I'm really terrible with. But I was so entranced with the possibilities of what uh, working in 3D could could uh, be. You know, to make your own little movies and stuff. That I like. I knew I could do it. I just pushed and pushed until I, you know, did it as well as I could, which was, you know, pretty good. I was pretty good at it, but I, I don't think I had it in me to be really great because I was too, I don't know, not technical enough. Maybe I don't know. How long? Even, how long would you say that it took for people to start? Um really paying attention to you as a fine artist um, was it off the bat because they knew who you were or did you have to because when I talk to when I talk to people in the industry they when they say Chet Zar they're talking about the fine artist oh yeah that's so cool to hear yeah that's, that's really cool to hear um yeah I you know the funny thing is I never people it probably took let me see I started in 2000 and then I was kind of not sure what I wanted to do, and then I was doing digital fine art and trying to sell prints, and I really didn't get serious until, uh, I guess, around 2005 is when it started. Kind of, I could see that it was uh, kind of going to work maybe 2005, 2006 when I started. I guess I found that monster portrait format, basically. You know, the head and shoulder right. type thing and a monster, and people were responding to, to that so that I think I guess is kind of when things started. Um, I started getting noticed, but it was very slow and steady. You know, it's still I'm still not where I'm at, where I want to be as far as you know being able to you know sell for whatever prices. It's a slow and steady process, and it just slowly, slowly built. You know, and um, oh man, I had a great answer for you. What was the what was the original question you said? Oh, uh, when did it? Oh. Okay, this is what's interesting about that. Um, I always had a tool promoted me as well. So whenever, you know, when I put my website up, I'd say, hey, can you guys promote my my new website on your, on your, um, on your website? And so that was a help. But people didn't know who I was because I didn't promote the fact that I was in effects at all. Because at that point, when I left the industry, I was really angry and bitter about the whole thing like I felt just pissed about the industry and uh, I'm not anymore like I, I've had enough time to you know look back and just see that it was more like uh, I was just angry at the time because I really you know wasn't didn't have the balls to get out it kind of took me a while and so I was kind of projecting onto the FX industry in a way um so anyway, I was left very bitter, and so I was like, I'm just going to do this and not say anything about effects. So I never told anybody about my effects work until, man, I don't even know, maybe seven or eight years into it, people started uh, sending me emails. Hey, did you work on a movie? I didn't know you worked in movies because um, they saw my name in, a, in the credits or something of a movie. Well, so I mean, then, I, then I just started decided oh maybe this is a marketing point you know maybe people will be interested in this and it turns out they were and it was really stupid for me not to have done that in the first place well it, you know? I don't know how anybody could watch Hellboy 2 <laughs> know your paintings and not recognize that 
Yeah. Some of those characters. People say that. Yeah. <laughs> they're right out of your paintings. It's like it's Yeah. Wow. That's one of the great things about working with Guillermo, you know. For that Chamberlain character, he's just like, do whatever you want. I can't believe it. It was wow. amazing. Ha- yeah. Talk to me a little bit about the moment you see that. Like it's your one of your paintings, but it's a it's but it's like it's, it's come to life. Yeah. Tell me about uh, that. Oh, it's great. It was, you know, kind of the first time that ever happened really uh-huh. that I felt I felt like it was something that really was me up there. And it just made me want to make my own movie. <laughs> I mean, I, I I would love to see a movie with all my characters in it. I mean, I think that would be the coolest. So it just kind of, you know, and reinforced the fact that, man, my stuff would look really yeah. good in its own kind of movie in that What's in that up? world. I, I, you know? I hear occasionally on your podcast talk of this. Uh, it's usually referred to as this the dystopian film. Yeah, 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 yeah. Dystopia is is what I call the world. Um, yeah, well, I did a book. I kickstarted a book to basically the idea was to um, mythologize all all of my paintings, and because they all look to me and other people like they all take place in a certain dimension, mm-hmm. and all the characters look like they could be from the same world, basically. And even though I didn't plan it, it's just that's the way it worked out. And so I thought it would be cool to make a book like, I don't know if you know Barlow's Guide to Extraterrestrials. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because that was like a huge influential book on me when I was a kid. And so I thought, oh, I want to do like a Barlow's Guide to Extraterrestrials, but for my characters and my world that I've been painting. And so I did a Kickstarter, raised the money. It took, you know, way longer than I thought. I'm still not done with it. It's two years later and I feel awful about it, but I'm getting this thing done <laughs> it kills me but um the idea with the book was you know i don't if nothing happens it would be totally cool i'm so happy painting the rest of my life i'd be happy doing that but it would be so cool to make like a a tv series or you know a netflix series or a movie or something a cohesive so, world for all your yeah, critters. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. And Mike is a writer. He's mostly more a writer than a filmmaker. Really. By the way, we've mentioned Mike a couple times. Who is Mike? Go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, Mike Carell. He's uh, Mike Carell's the guy who directed. I like to paint monsters, and he's a writer and uh, an artist. And he, we've been working together on a lot of stuff. And he actually wrote the dystopia book. So oh, he cool. would. It was interesting because you know. Uh, he he kind of partnered with me on that, and the whole idea with the dystopia book is that <clears throat> rather than figure out a storyline, that he would interview me about the paintings and ask me, what does this mean? What does this mean? What does this mean? And then I would either say, I have no idea, in which case uh, we're not going to address it, or I would say, oh, that's this, that means that. And I didn't even realize I knew it until I was asked because the paintings are so intuitive. And out of all that information, out of uh, interviewing me about all these paintings, we had all this information about this world and these cross-references, and it was really a trip. And so that's kind of what we uh, uh, wrote for the the text in the book. Mm. So it's kind of a revelation to yourself. It's like... Totally. Oh, shit. (laughs) Who knew? Yeah, I've been doing this. Super weird and cosmic, really, really weird. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, along that, uh, while that was happening, 
a storyline which isn't going to be addressed in this book because this book is just about you know it's like a guidebook mm-hmm. but um there is a storyline that developed and bad guys and good guys and uh reasons for you know a, a, a goal that needs to happen in order to do this and that and uh so anyway the idea really to have that book was to be able to have like this bible to take to someone I mean, aside from just doing it because it's a cool project and it's for the fans, I would also have this book to say, you know, hey, check this out. This whole world is created for you. Yeah. Let's make a movie of this. Here's your, yeah, here's your TV yeah. show. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Right. So um, that you know, after that, maybe you know, if maybe after the book comes out, we can do like a comic series with the storyline or something, you know, and just keep it going and see where it goes. Right. Right. Um, that brings up a point. Mike is also your co-host. Um, the Dark Art Society podcast, right? Yep. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Talk he's uh, he's great. Can you talk to us about one the podcast, two this idea of uh, a dark art? Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Community movement. Com- yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Well, um, Mike Carell and I host. What well, we started really because we are just really good friends, and we would talk on the phone and at the end we'd always go you know we should have recorded that that would make a great podcast because we're always talking about weird stuff and um that was sort of the beginning idea but then what really made us go for it was when we were directing or when we were creating the the documentary is that we realized there's this huge fan base of people that are into dark art Mm -hmm. and it's just nobody has done anything to kind of try and corral it together and connect each connect uh, members of this fan base that exists for just dark art in general because you know it's it's always been marginalized and treated as not serious or dumb because it's got monsters and it's for or, kids and or labeled oh this is that goth art yeah got yeah, yeah got just not taken seriously yeah. you know yeah, and. Right, yeah. You know, and it and it it's as serious as any other art form. And you know, we make the argument that it's maybe even more serious and important than any other art movement going on today, because it really well, says so much about where the world is today. You know, it comments on it probably more than any other uh, genre of art. I think. Well, I think, it, but it's also been something that's been going on forever. There's as there's exactly. always been. You know, there was always the one guy in the cave of the caveman that was like. <laughs> I'm going to scare the shit out of these guys. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, yeah and so, there was, you know, Anonymous Bosch, and there was uh, Goya, and, absolutely. you know, these guys have been doing Far it. down just, the line. Yeah, yeah, it's just there hasn't been, I, I don't know, it's just n- never been a an official movement, because I guess there's never been enough artists doing it and enough people that really are into it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't think it's any surprise that it is coming together at a time when things are, you know, maybe the darkest they've ever been in the world sure. with climate change and the political landscape and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it seems like it's the time for it. You know, it's the perfect time for it. So we're just trying to we basically talk about aspects of dark art. We interview artists on the podcast. Um, we talk about other stuff, too, but generally stuff that seems like people into the dark art scene are interested in. And we just basically try and promote this movement and um, galvanize people and make them feel like they're not alone if they're interested in it. They're not weird and they're not evil Satanists mm-hmm. or whatever. You know, it's like, it's legit. You know, yeah. that's where cool. the good stuff is. Yeah. yeah, that's the thing, right? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. 
it's, it's and it's really vital too. It's so active. It's like there's a lot of action going on there, and and it's and it's cool because it's kind of like punk music in a way because it's not commercial at this point. It's not you know making enough money to where you're getting people in to come in to make money. So you know the people who are doing it are actually doing it because they love it because it's not a you know a smart way to. <laughs> <laughs> make a bunch of money. <laughs> you know? Yeah, in fact, it's a, it's a good way to to lose a lot of money. <laughs> exactly. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm curious about just a couple of um, artists that you you think are firing on all cylinders right now. Oh, uh, yeah. There's a lot. Um, uh, yeah. The, my latest go-to is um, Do, a guy named Do, calls himself Dos Diablos. Yeah. And an artist um, from uh, Mexico. He's incredible. His stuff is so good. Really, really cool. Really original and unique and painted really well. Um, let's see. Now you put me on the spot. I know. Sorry. Um, we, we think about it and we'll, and we'll come back. Uh, okay. Well, <laughs> I, there's well, a lot. There's, there's, yeah, go, I mean, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, I know you recently had Jay Ferguson on your show. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's why I should just think about the show, the people we had on. Yeah. Uh, Jay Ferguson's amazing. Christopher Ulrich's amazing. He's he just I just went to him with uh, one of his shows last night, and he did some of the best work of his life. I think um, really great stuff. Um, man, there's just uh, 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 there's uh, Megan. And the internet Ma- makes it even harder because right suddenly you're like Jesus. I just joined the Shiflets uh, sculpting forum. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. dude. There's <laughs> it's just one it's thing amazing. after it's another. Like, it's less, yeah, and it makes you. It makes me as an artist want to do two things, and and depending on the day, slit my wrist. Right, exactly. <laughs> I either want to curl up in a fetal position on the floor and yeah. cry, or it lets a fire under my ass. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. It's a double-edged sword in that way because it makes you go, oh, my God, you know, there's so many people doing such great work. What am I doing here? I don't deserve to... I'm not that good. But at the same time, it's more like the the attitude you approach it with, I think, because, you, you know, if you can try and just, like, get the ego out of the way and not beat yourself up and just be inspired by it, it's right. like... It's great because, really, the way to learn is by looking to see... Looking at other artists that are doing great work, that's probably, the, you know, aside from practice, that's that's a big part of it. So there's a lot of examples to look at, the f- you know. I met you at Monster Palooza. Uh, oh. Uh, I, I, I want to say, I don't know, three years ago? I, I, don't, I don't know. Uh, mm-hmm. But I come walking around, I come walking around this corner, and there you are, and you've got this piece on the wall that fucking blew my mind. It, you have a million great pieces, but there are two that I'm going to specifically mention. Okay. And, and one is Heartbroken. Uh, oh, yeah, the, the sculpture? The big, the, well... It, the, it was I, a big sculpture, and I did a painting of I it. I saw the well. sculpture first, and I was just okay. like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> I was just like, oh my god! And, uh, yeah, Guillermo owns that. Oh, dude, it's amazing. <laughs> it, Those it, moments oh, are thanks. great, where, where art just stops you in your tracks. Well, and here's the cool yeah. thing. The, uh, here's the cool thing about the two pieces that I wanted to mention is 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 that exists as this awesome sculpture, mm-hmm. but it's also this amazing painting. The same is true with um, Soft Spot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
those are, you know, I, I don't do as much sculpture as I would like, but um, just because of the time and the expense, but those were two I was able to do. Actually, Soft Spot was the first thing I did when I wanted to get into the fine art scene, but then I switched to painting because it was so time intensive and, and it cost so much money. Sure. And har- harder to sell, too. It's harder to sell sculptures, so God, I kind of went to, man, to it's, painting. It's beautiful, though. Uh, it is, thanks. It's just gorgeous. Yeah, it, the funny, and it's funny, it took 10 years to sell that thing. Wow. And Guillermo, really? Guillermo, just, yeah, yeah, Guillermo bought, um, this is like I did it in 2000, or early 2000s, like 2001, 2002, or I thought it was around there, and um, there just was not a market for it, you know, and so, or at least I didn't, you know, know who they were, but uh, Guillermo ended up eventually buying Soft Spot, and wow. he um, he also bought Heartbroken, and I just, it was so funny when I was doing Heartbroken, that was one of those things, like, with all my work, I had this idea, and I, I don't know if you, you can really, some people don't notice it, but the, 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 the kind of nasty hole in his face is shaped like a heart. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, some people don't notice that, but th- that was, uh, there's a funny story about that, too, but um, I just had this idea of this face with a big nasty hole in the center that was kind of like this, you know, diseased looking, nasty, gross hole. Just because I thought it was a cool image for some reason. It just was an idea that I thought, oh, this would be cool. It'd be fun. I like it. I think it'd be powerful. And, um, but I thought there's no one's ever going to buy it, but it's so cool. I have to do it, (laughs) which is always, you know, always the criteria before anything. It's not because, you know, anytime I've tried to make something I thought would be people would want to buy it never works so i just like i do what i think is going to be cool and you know i just start doing it with this hole and then I, and then somehow i think i maybe put a piece of clay in the wrong spot and i was like oh that would be even better if it's a heart heart shaped right and and so that was an afterthought and then when i had the heart shape i was like oh heartbroken now it's, you know he, he looks heartbroken yeah. and so then it was just the whole thing kind of came together at that moment you know first which thing, was kind of fun. first thing i thought when i came around that corner dude it's the seventh voyage of sinbad cyclops with leprosy as always we can we, we this can go on forever it, well it, it can but we got to hit a few things I, we, gotta, we do yeah yeah so one is the dark heart society um, podcast, mm-hmm. and that's primarily through SoundCloud. Is that correct? Yeah, it's on SoundCloud, but it streams. It, it shoots out to iTunes and all the other like major services. Right where you know, where so. do you get your podcast? Yeah, yeah whatever yeah. You're li- the people are listening to right now. And by the way, right. <laughs> and by the way, it, it's a great podcast. If you're into art at all, regardless of whether you have a dark sensibility or not. This is a podcast that you nice. need to listen to. Yep. It is excellent. Uh, Thanks. Also, um, and this is something I'd like to bend your ear about for hours, but we don't have hours, <laughs> yep. is um, you have a Patreon account. Yeah, yeah. We, we have one for the Dark Art Society uh, podcast as well. Which mm-hmm. Do you guys have one for your podcast? No. No, but we oh, been... you have to have one. Okay, so we've you been thinking about have it. One. Yeah, yeah, you have to do it. Because... Um, all the people, it's it's there's this really kind of altruistic um, aspect of Patreon that people don't realize. You know, people that like your podcast want to give you 
money. They do want to give you money. A lot of people, not everybody, but a lot of people want the opportunity to give you like a buck or whatever mm-hmm. a month. So you should just set it up and don't worry about rewards. I saw one one Patreon of a, a podcast that was night. Let me see. They had it was they were making like ninety thousand a month, what? and it was and it was all people donating a dollar. It was crazy. That's it's, crazy. It's like they that's have, insane. That's because they have a huge, huge <laughs> listen, listenership. Right, right, right. You know, right. but, um, you know, so anyway, you should do it. But, but um, yeah, so we have one for the Dark Art Society podcast, and it's Patreon slash Dark Art Society. And I have a personal one and um, where I basically, I kind of stopped showing my progress stuff on, on uh, regular social media. And now I'm doing all my in progress work and my time lapses and uh i do a monthly tutorial video on painting and sculpting and right. all oh. kinds of, yeah, i show everything um everything i'm working on while i'm working on it on the on the patreon and that's patreon.com slash chetzar one word all that stuff becomes an exclusive when mm-hmm. when you are a member you know, and, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. You can subscribe for a buck a month, and then you can kind of see, you know, all the images I'm painting as I'm doing it. I talk to people, we interact. Any questions, I answer. And you know, for three bucks, you get to see all the time lapses. Because now I time lapse every painting I do, so there's like a high speed um, short video you can watch as I paint it, which is kind of cool. And um, which is always uh, instructional in and of itself, even. Uh, even though you're not, ex- yeah. Even though you're not, you know, explaining something. Well, it's everything we talked about with Matt Winston. Right. Exactly. Week. It's like yeah, yeah, you yeah. watch. And yeah, you know, and I put like you know what colors I used and hit and go ahead, go for it. And then, um, but you know, I do like pro tips for five bucks. I have different categories, but then uh, ten bucks a month, you can get all these monthly tutorials where I'm basically teaching everything I know about sculpting for the film industry, everything I know about oil painting and, you know, basically giving all my secrets away for 10 bucks a month. So it's a pretty good deal. And then I have like a, a kind of a $50 collector tier where you get 20% off in the store and then a $100 tier where you do like an hourly, a monthly hour long um, Skype session with me if you're an artist and I, and I would critique your work and wow. tell you what That's I need to work on, just give you advice or whatever you want to talk about really. That's badass. So, uh, that's, that's, very, that's really awesome. So I'm trying to, you know, I know people on there, you know, artists that are making seven and eight thousand dollars a month, and I'm trying to get to that point where I can just have everything paid for, so I don't have to hustle every month because it's really right. too old for that. <laughs> it's really hard to do yeah, it. It's hard, yeah. you know, hard work. So um, another thing, so I want to mention um, on your website, there's a store. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming people can get a copy of Black Magic, your art book. Yeah. Um, the DVD of the documentary. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's I, a bunch of prints and T-shirts and all kinds of all merchandise. Kinds of cool stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I, we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about your involvement with Steve Johnson's um, Rubberhead. Uh, oh yeah. Book. Yeah. What's 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 going on with that? Because he's he was so excited. He was just like, "Holy shit! I got Chet Zar to do the cover." <laughs> I was like, well, "What?" You know? He was like yeah. jumping out of his uh, skin. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't believe when when he asked me. First, let me say, sorry, I, uh, my my uh, website for the buying the stuff is uh, chetzar.bigcartel.com. Awesome. So that's where you can get the book. But uh, yeah, he he asked me 
And, um, you know, I'm like, yeah, it sounds cool. I'll do that. I'll, I'll take a chance. And, you know, because if it didn't sell, they did sell it, so I wouldn't have gotten paid if it didn't sell. Right. Because the idea was, you know, I'd get paid when someone bought it through the, the, the Kickstarter. Right. But, um, so, yeah, I just, you know, he's, um, I've always been a fan of his, and I never worked with him. And he was one of the shops I always kind of wanted to work at, but I was always at another shop. And so it's kind of funny just all these years later when we're both out of the industry to connect again over Facebook and be working together on something. Because I thought the first Rubberhead was great. I thought it was really, really a great book. So I was happy. Yeah. Yeah. And just even the text. I mean, I I read it. it, I read it in one day. I was so engrossed in it. So I thought it was cool. And then, you know, and then he told me one of the reasons he decided to do the second volume was because I agreed to do the cover. And I was like, really? (laughs) I mean, I still wonder if it's true, but he swears it is. And it's like, man, that's... I, that's all you know. I, I didn't realize it. That's really uh, nice to say. That's badass. <laughs> but I said yes because <laughs> you know I want to see that book. I want to read all five volumes. Yeah, absolutely. Right on. Um, well, and you're on Facebook and Twitter and all that other shit. Yeah, Instagram. Everything's at Chet Zar C H E T Z R Z A R. Well, one word. Uh, I I sent someone being invited back. Absolutely, <laughs> dude. We didn't hey, any time. We didn't talk about paranormal, uh, paranormal phenomena. We didn't oh, talk about symbolism in yeah. your paintings. All right, there, dude. There's a million things to talk about. All right. Well, oh. thanks, man. We're, we'll we'll figure yeah, this I'll, out. Yeah, I'll come back anytime. Right so on. Know. So we're gonna take a break, and we will be back in just one second. talk about this but again it's like such an honor every week yeah i know at the end of every week i get a chance to sit down with really great people and talk about cool shit yeah exactly yeah it's, yeah, yeah yeah it's fucking amazing it's it's, it's the best and that patreon idea <laughs> patreon you may have well, to look into that see i didn't i didn't think about this until because i hadn't really uh-huh. explored it i just kind of you know marginally explored it and uh you know, their their marketing is like, look, you know, a dollar a month. Yeah. You know. Yeah, it's bananas. And and, uh, and it gets people additional content. Mm-hmm. It gets, you know, it, it, so 
So, <laughs> listeners to the show, you might be seeing You might be seeing an ad for our Patreon. <laughs> I know that we're doing this sort of dra- dragging our feet on that one. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see. Second hour step. Um, the... These are people who died. These are died. We should, <laughs> we should do. Yeah, we should. <laughs> Other than the whole copyright issue. Right, Let's see. Um, I just learned this today. Blues musician, musician Eddie the Chief Clearwater. This is one of those old... I mean, he was in his 90s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So you go, yeah, all right. Uh, speaking of guitar players, Josh Martin um, in a fall. Uh, the guitar player for the band Anal Cunt. Yeah. You know, yeah, like well, everybody the famous knows anal cunt. Cunt. Yeah. Um, yeah, that that that. Uh, Alan Ann McCleary. She was an actress. She was in They Shoot Horses, Don't They? Oh, dude, that is such a that's a great movie. movie. That's a great movie. Um, I'm gonna save that one. Gardner Do- Doge. D-O-Z-O-I-S. He's a writer, and uh, he was big with like the. Horror Writers of America, and a lot of the writerly groups and conventions. He was a regular on that. Um, Michael D. Ford, set designer for Raiders of the Lost Ark, wow. Titanic, and uh, Empire Strikes Back. Wow. Yeah, that one wow. slipped by a lot of people. Um, and then two more. Uh, a guy named, he was a wrestler for ECW, Rockin' Rebel. Um, yeah. His friends found him and his wife dead in an apparent murder suicide. Murder suicide, yeah. So that's that's uplifting. Yeah. And then finally, a guy named Frank Doubleday. Frank Doubleday is the guy, the wild-eyed kind of freak guy in John Carpenter's Escape from New York. Yes, the, the one that the, like if you're not on a plane, like the big shock of white hair. Yeah, kind yeah, of Billy yeah. Idol hair and big c- cadaveric eyes. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Talked about, you know, if you touch me, he's dead. If you yeah. don't do this, he's dead. And da da da. Yeah, 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 yeah. He passed away. Uh, moving on to some new stuff. Big, big pieces here. Not a lot of separate items, but big pieces. Number one, Andrew Lincoln is talking about after season nine leaving Walking Dead. Thank goodness. Yeah, I yeah. think. I think it's one of those things where we've long talked about. Brian Ellison would, wants to do. He's pitched a show called uh, Rick Grimes, Hero or Imbecile. Um, <laughs> but I, but I, I think what with the death of Carl now, this would completely sever its relationship. Right. That with was the book. that was the whole impetus of the of the premise of the show. Yeah. I only am, I only mourn the idea that this is happening. Now that they've killed Carl, because I think I think the better move on that, not to get all hung up in their whole plot thing, but was to make if you made Carl immune, you make him a golden child, and you you raise the stakes for everybody. So I thought that would have been really cool to do, but we'll see. They're they're clearly have their own plan, and they're going to do their own thing. Right. Um, I don't want to talk about this next thing too much, but I think because of it, we have because of our relationship with the media, we have to talk about the Roseanne thing. Yeah. Um, uh, in a nutshell, if you, this is all in the news, but Roseanne tweeted something that was pretty heinous, and ABC canceled her show. Yeah. There's been some backlash about some of her, the, her fans, and a lot of people on the right are saying it's like selective prosecution. ABC, the last thing I heard was that ABC is now considering not a not capitulating and doing a Roseanne show but 
kind of capitulating and doing a Darlene show. Well, I mean, for people who are upset about it, I don't see any difference between this and getting rid rid of uh, Kevin Spacey. You know. Uh, yeah, it's it's it's, it's abhorrent behavior that needs yeah, to get checked. It's horrible. Yeah, it's yeah, horrible. Yeah. Um, just recently, yeah, you're familiar with the band No Effects? Yes. Fat Mike. Uh huh. Said something horrible uh, pertaining to the victims of the Las Vegas um, shootout shoot, shooting. shooting. Yeah. Um, and you know it's 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 not the same world that it used to be where you might get away with something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, people are like, "Fuck you, you know, <laughs> asshole." Yeah, they're calling you, know? you on your shit yeah. now. And, and I think and, that, and the same thing's true with Roseanne. Yeah, and I think it's free speech is the ability to say what you want. It doesn't make you uh, immune uh, to the consequences. Uh, exactly. Uh, yeah. Or as I like to just say. Play stupid games, win stupid prizes. Exactly. Um, uh, and the 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 question that I would have not that that oh my god they took her their show away, but it's like how do you sign someone on that has a history of this kind of behavior? Yeah. Um, why are and you then surprised? Invest, yeah, yeah. Why are you surprised? And Tom Arnold was on one of the news shows, mm-hmm. going like, yeah, why are you not surprised at this? Yeah. So. This anyway. is the same lady who dressed as Hitler, uh, right. with the the Jewish cookies. And, and I get, and I've said, and I've heard her defend that, you know, the where the source of the comedy goes, and I just don't know that in this case there is a source other than just blatant racism and yeah, exactly and being an, an awful person. Even if you don't, especially if you don't mean it, mm-hmm. and <laughs> and to to pull the. You brought up Kevin Spacey to pull up a weak um, excuse like I was ambient tweeting um, is ridiculous. Yeah, that's bullshit. Um, and it in, it's insulting to to the people that are that are following it out in the world because mm-hmm. it's like you know that's nonsense. Mm-hmm. So anyway, she was supposed to be on Rogan's show and she, in his words, went radio silent on him and didn't. And he had to cancel the show that he had scheduled. So who knows what what that's going on? But yeah. I felt like we we, should, we had to <coughs> yeah absolutely talk about that. Uh, we talked a little bit about Joe Hill's Lock and Key. It's a series that was at Hulu and then it got yeah. canceled. Well, Netflix. This is bizarre. So while they was at Hulu, they shot an entire uh, pilot. So then they didn't pick the pilot up. Netflix has said we'll pick up the IP, but we don't want your pilot. We're going to do a pilot of our own. Because they thought maybe it was it was not right. <coughs> totally. Right. You know? Maybe it wasn't good. Well, yeah. So well, the, and that particular IP is great. Mm-hmm. So... It's a neat idea. You better bring... You better bring it. Yeah. yeah. You and it's Joe idea. Hill, you know, and, and he's... There's some energy behind Momentum yeah. behind him. Mm-hmm. Um... We talked last week about I think the uh, that they had started pre-production on this crow uh, new crow reboot directed by Corin Hardy, right? Um, and going to be starring Jason Momoa, right? In quick succession yesterday, Corin Hardy left. He tweeted a picture of him with Jason Momoa standing behind him in crow makeup. Yeah. Um, 
and uh, and then right uh, right hot on the heels of that, Momoa left. So at this point, that crow thing is dead. <laughs> and I couldn't be happier. Yeah, it was a bad idea. But we've talked about what a shitty yeah. what a shitty idea yeah. all of that was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Top Gun Two officially began production in San Diego. Why? Well, I don't know. We were t- I was talking about this at work with someone. I I can see them doing a thing where. Remove Tom Skerritt and put Tom Cruise in that role. Bring a brash young kid in. Supposedly, there's a, there's their relation. There's got some sort of ongoing friendship relationship with uh, um, Val Kilmer. Um, I mean, is it supposed to be the same characters years later? Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And I have a feeling he's one of the instructors now. Right. And that's me just pitching. Woo. Something happens, and they have to. And they have to do they have to something. Mobilize. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So you know who knows, but it's being done. Um, so there's that. Hopefully, it's it's a, a Top Gun Independence Day mashup. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't, I have no idea what they're Hopefully doing. Hopefully, it's as homoerotic as the first Top Gun. Right. <laughs> I wonder if they'll if With they'll do wink. that. If they'll yeah. at least kind of acknowledge that. That would like, be funny. That would be. Just maybe it was the eighties. You can ride my tail anytime. <laughs> it was the eighties. We were experimenting. Um, so last week, I also talked about how Sesame Street is was suing the Happy Time Murders for their marketing campaign, right? Which said no Sesame All Street. All Street. Well, Sesame Street lost to that lawsuit this last week, and, and so and as I think they should. Um, you don't. You can't own that. No. You're especially with where with where you sit in the iconography of the world. Yeah, come on, you're you're kind of open season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For that shit. Um, there's a rumor that this Ben Affleck Matt Reeves movie, Matt Reeves who directed um, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes and Cloverfield, mm-hmm. they're doing this thing called the Batman, and the big rumor going around this week was Andy Serkis as the Penguin. And some effects studio drew up a nice, it's a beautiful painting mm-hmm. of Andy Serkis as the penguin. A- Andy Serkis. Andy Serkis is anything. Would make a great penguin. Yeah, I agree. I've, I've you know, Andy Serkis, you know, of course we all know him for his motion control work, his, or his motion capture work, but in the movies that he's been in, just mm-hmm. as Andy Serkis, the actor. I haven't seen one that I didn't like. Yeah, did you see the cottage? <coughs> yeah, the cottage is great. What was the the World War One? Oh, uh, there's a great Death Watch. Yeah, haunted tr- trench warfare yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. That's a great uh, movie, dude. He, he played Ian Dury. In, yeah, he did. Yeah, um, yeah. and he directed. We talked last week about this. He directed his first movie, Mowgli. Mowgli. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mowgli. yeah. Kind of cool. Uh, Jeff Goldblum is doing a jazz record. I, I, yeah, I guess he has a band. And they're going to do a record. I was listening to something the other day, and it's like, people don't realize this, but he's a badass jazz pianist. Yeah, yeah. You know who else is really good like that? Hugh Laurie. uh, Oh, dude, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, he's super good. At least his stuff popped up every now and then and stuff that he was doing. Like, um, even on on House. Yeah, he'd play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, kind of cool. Uh, I just found out, I was listening to Rob Paulson's podcast last night, and his guest was Jim Cumming. Jim Cumming is the voice of... Like Winnie the Pooh now and yeah. and all this stuff and he did uh, I want to say he took over 
for anyway on something on Scooby Doo. So anyway, um, he was talking about it and how he was a drum. He's a, he lived in New Orleans and he was a drummer. So I think it's really interesting to find out these different people and you find out these hidden talents. Sure. Kind of cool. Yeah. Um, Tom McFarlane announced this. He's do this, doing this Spawn movie with Bloomhouse with Jamie Foxx. Jamie Foxx says Spawn. That's a good. That's good. Yeah, I think that I think that that's a that's a good call. Yeah, I think he's a. He's an Academy Award winner. That gets you some cred. Right. And it's him first time he's really doing genre. Um, uh, didn't he play like some electric guy? But that was in Spider-Man. That's like a superhero <coughs> thing. Um, uh, so yeah, I, uh, the the interesting part though is in an interview I was reading with McFarlane, he says that forget everything you think you know about it, that this movie is going to have more in common with films like The Exorcist than anything else. Okay. So I'm thinking, oh, wow, that's, like, totally, so, that's completely different. Right, so maybe we're getting more of a Spawn horror, horror. film. Absolutely. Yeah. And he, ta- he leaned heavily on the word hell again and again. Like, yeah. this is a guy that's spawned in hell. Well, that's the, and that's the thing that's easy to gloss over when you're working in the comics is that Oh, he's from hell, right? You know, and and like, uh, like so, like he's from you know 59th Street, you know? right? 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 Yeah, right. And it, like, it, like, yeah. I and and I dig that. I dig that 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 would be explored more and mm-hmm. what that means exactly. Yeah, I just think the whole fucking project needs to slow it down a gear or two. You know what I mean? Yeah. More ghost story, less action film. Right. And I think we'd be into something. Make have it have action, but make that action be big and loud and, and, and jaw dropping mm-hmm. and, and but not every other scene, some bullshit going on yeah. just for the sake of it. Something something for lack of a better word, biblical. Yeah. As far as it, yeah. it, whenever uh, I parad- think of epic Paradise Lost yes. sort of thing. Dude absolutely I, can somebody make a Badass Paradise Lost. There was a guy I talked to once, Stuart Hazeldine. He did this movie called Exam, but they were talking about doing a Paradise Lost. Yeah, Paradise Lost would be badass, man. Uh, Let's see, Quiet Place will be released to digital on on the 26th of June and on Blu-ray in on the 10th of July. I still haven't seen it, and I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I want to. I honestly, though, I'm kind of holding on because I really want to watch it at home. Where I don't have well, to yeah. deal with people in the theater no, and yeah, yeah, yeah. distractions. Yeah. Um, and then finally, uh, Brian De Palma says he's returning to genre with a film quote based on Harvey Weinstein. Wow. Yeah. What? Yeah. That's another one of those Mad Lib pieces. Yeah. Right? Exactly. You, you, know, like, you add them together and it doesn't make sense. But yeah, that's what he says he's doing. Huh. I've seen it reported on a number of occasions. Genre. Yeah, like what a horror film, like yeah. a horror film. Yeah, but based on Harvey Weinstein. Harvey, War- Harvey, Harvey Weinstein's going to be the boogeyman. Yeah, yeah. Well, in and he was. And he yeah, was yeah, in yeah. Many ways. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Moving on to trailers. Uh, first up, a movie called The Antithesis, directed by Francesco Mirabelli. Music by Claudio Simonetti of Goblin. Right. Um, it won. It's being compared to Argento and Baba. Yeah, I, I I saw that, and you know, in watching the trailer, I can see pieces of that. Yeah. Um. It, there. I can't really tell what's going on in the trailer. I can't either. Yeah. Um. But 
there there is a lot of um, there's a lot of editing choices that that remind you of, mm-hmm. of Baba. And yeah, it, it, it's clearly this person. What it wasn't just a happenstance that the film, his finished film, ended up looking like Baba and Argento. Right. Yeah, I mean, yeah, clearly, yeah. he went after it in yeah. the same way the, the 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 filmmakers went after it in the Amer. Yes. It, yeah, so, yeah. 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 Um, I think it looks fine. I'm I'm interested in it because it's a I'm I would love to see Giallo brought back in a yeah. way. Um, and this definitely looks like looks like straight it. up Giallo. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Next up, a film, a murder mystery, super campy called Bees Make Honey. Yeah, um, it looks like a comedy in a weird it, way. Yeah, it totally looks like a comedy. It's about a socialite who is trying to solve the murder of her husband by staging the exact same thing a year later. Exactly. Yeah. Um, uh, it looked very like, British. Very British. Uh, very uh, yeah, kind of campy and and and. Um, uh, it's almost twenties flappery kind of yeah. feel to mm-hmm. it. Yeah, it looked interesting. It looks very fun. I don't know that I. Th- it's. I think this is one of those. If, if it was on, yeah, then I don't really watch it. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. yeah. Next up, uh, this I, I I chose one of three killer Bigfoot movies <laughs> <laughs> that had a trailer drop this week. It's so funny to me that like they're they're. It seems like every year there's there's at there's least two or three Bigfoot movies. Yeah. and this is called Big Legend. Very rarely are they any good, um, and this looks okay. It looks fine. It looks fine enough, and yeah. I'm sure it, it, a lot of its audience is going to lap this up with a biscuit. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I there's a, <laughs> there's a lot of shots of guys walking in the woods. Yeah, or running and yeah. shooting at something. Somebody hears something. Yeah, it, it's kind of it's and almost then, like watching a Discovery Channel. Yeah, Bigfoot it's like show. the Bigfoot hunter yeah, thing. Yeah, but clearly there's some stuff where con- there were some scenes in the trailer of men being hoisted I upside saw, down. Yeah, I saw some practical um, practical effects, like big hairy arm. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, you know stuff like that. It, Sure. I think I think if you're not, if you right now if you go oh I watch that then you probably should yeah because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't know that I could recommend it yeah. but next up movie called Dark River woman returns home after her father's death to a host of memories like yeah uh, it seems like the father is abusive is it is it English is it I think it's English or Irish um, yeah 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 uh, the father is played by someone that I should know his name <laughs> and I'm spacing on it uh, not Sean Bean but it's, it's something like that it's very very family melodrama mm-hmm. um uh, obviously from the trailer there's some animosity between brother and brother and sister because she went away and mm-hmm. instead of staying back and Happened to take care of the farm, and right? Etc. Right. Um, and I guess from it looks, I they there she keeps acting very very startled every time there's scenes of her father entering a bedroom, right? Right. So I'm a, I'm going to assume that there there's was something some of that. Of, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it that, looks that. like these people are acting their asses off. Yeah, the, yeah, exactly. So if, yeah, that's why one of the reasons I threw. Them if was. you're an actor person or an acting person, this looks like something you need to see. Right. Speaking of acting his ass off, Topher Grace in oh my a God. movie called Valerium. Yeah. It kind of reminded me a little of Split in a small way. So it's it's definitely a psychological thriller. Mm-hmm. It's a trope that we've seen before where 
he um, someone has has had some kind of a a mental break, a psychotic break, and he's essentially on house arrest. Yeah. He he and and he has to hold it together for a weekend. Yeah. Is it a weekend <laughs> or is it thirty days? Thirty days. Thirty days. Yeah. And might as well be a weekend. Yeah. Yes, and it shit starts working on him. Yeah, and and you know, and like a lot of those movies, like Identity and a lot of other ones, you don't know what's real and what's not. Right. You don't know if what you're seeing is a brother appears and supposedly dead. Yeah, or uh, yeah. But it's just mostly him in a room acting, acting his ass off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Next up, uh, kind of a documentary using. Elvis Presley's metaphor for America. This looks really interesting. It's called The King. Yeah, this looks really interesting. Um, it, uh, it It's exactly that. They're using Elvis Presley as a metaphor for America. And there's a lot of documentary looking mm-hmm. footage, but there's also footage that looks... Almost acted. Acted? Yeah. yeah. So maybe like an Errol Morris thing, like a Thin Blue Line thing? I, yeah, I don't know. It was very interesting to see Chuck D yeah. basically called Elvis Presley out as a straight-up racist. And, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, and yeah, 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 yeah. He's not... Um, there's a line in the trailer where he says, if, if America is Elvis, we're about to overdose. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, yeah, kind of weird. It, it looks great. It looks great. It looks very interesting. Yeah. Next up, a movie called Lucid, low budget, about a boy that's taught lucid dreaming as a way of prepping himself to adapt to the real world. And the motivating factor behind all of it is to meet this girl. Right. Which is kind of interesting. Because usually when you start dealing with like heady subjects like lucid dreaming, it's a it's a big thing, yeah, right? Yeah, it's pie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And... And this is more like, uh, look, I just, I just want to meet this girl. <laughs> but, yeah, and the yeah. nice thing is, is it seems to be that at a certain point they enter into his lucid dream, and it becomes um, very colorful, very yeah. disjointed, like a dreamlike. People yeah, yeah, stopping yeah. him for interrupting him with non sequiturs, and, and yeah. it looks good. It looks pretty low budget, but it doesn't have that cheesy low budget. No, thing. no, no. It, yeah, it looks good. Up next, um, Jennifer Gardner in a movie called Peppermint. So another in a line of like badass women, like uh, it's it's a revenge story. Here's it. Here's what it is. It's the Punisher. It is exactly. Um, that. It's more than that. It's the Punisher. The origin story is the Punisher. Right. They're at a fair. There's a drive-by shooting. Her family gets wiped out. Right. And then later. <laughs> it turns into this violent revenge film, but it's it's it, at its heart it's a Stallone film. What do I want? I want justice. Right. It's like, exactly. Yeah. It uh, also becomes kind of a Jason Bourne thing because uh, you know there's a crooked there's crooked cops mm-hmm. there's a crooked judge there's all these people who are in cahoots with the cartel that resulted in her family getting yeah. killed. She's gone away. She's disappeared for five years. Yeah. And she's pulled a uh, 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 a Sarah Connor. Yeah, where exactly. She's just gone away and just trained her ass trained off. Trained her ass off. And now they're all like, she's coming for us. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Which is cool. I, it like, is cool. It's, it's, on, on the one hand, like five years ago, she was a housewife. <laughs> right, exactly. And, and uh, 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 
remember she you know Jennifer Garner was an alias, so I think she can handle. She's oh, a little she, older. Yeah, yeah, no, no. She, but I yeah. think she can handle. I this. think this is totally serviceable for that type of film. Uh, and then let's see. Up next, um, this is the thing I'm kind of most excited about. There's a new Ryan Murphy series, the guy who did American Horror Story, called Pose. And it's about, it seems like, warring factions within the trans community. Well, have, the, you ever seen, have you ever seen Paris is Burning? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's that. And, and it, it, it's that. It's, it's balls drag balls. And drag yeah. balls and, and yeah, almost yeah. like a competition yes, absolutely. in a weird way. And uh, and it looks fantastic. It looks great. It looks super fun. It cool. looks super fun. It's shot really imaginatively, really tight, fisheye close-ups yes. of people as they talk. Yeah. Um, I'm most excited about yeah. this. Uh, next up, documentary on bodybuilding called Ronnie Coleman the King. Ronnie Coleman was, um, you know, he was of that later generation. You know, he wasn't he wasn't among the Franco Colombos and the Arnold Schwarzeneggers. He was after that. He was after that. He was after and, like Corey Everson. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. He, he's famous for um, these huge. Amounts of weight, mm -hmm. you know, that he would lift it. Well, guess what? He's, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That all has a has a takes it has its a toll. price, yeah. and uh, it looks heartbreaking. Yeah, it does. It, it looks heartbreaking. Watching him just walk around, yeah, is horrific. Yeah, and uh, hopefully a cautionary tale mm -hmm. for for some folks. Um, yeah, whether you're whether you're we're looking at you, is, CrossFit folks. Yeah, whether you're um, physical endeavor is weightlifting or running or mm -hmm. whatever it is. It's like there is such a thing as too much. Yeah, yeah, you're yeah. gonna and you're gonna pay the price. Yeah. Uh, next up, low budget sci-fi film called Soulless. Uh, a guy is something happens to his ship. He's alone on it, and it is shot off into space, heading, a, heading a, for the sun. Yeah, on a trajectory towards the sun. It looks. Um, it looks like it aspires to things like Moon, mm -hmm. where we where we Sunshine. basically have one actor. Yeah, um, and yeah. and it's a there's a computer voice that is talking to him through the whole time, yeah, yeah, and trying yeah. to save him, and uh, it looks cool. I mean, if you're, cool. if you're a sci pop if you're a sci-fi person, then this you're all over yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the actor, I forget his name, but he it looks like a real tour de force for yeah, that guy. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, a couple more. Uh, comedy, Neighborhood Spat Turns Violent, film called Under the Tree. So this looks really cool in that it it, it is equal parts dark comedy mm -hmm. and just a study of horrific behavior. Yes, yeah, it's, it's neighbors that argue over the shade of a tree. Yeah. And it escalates to what I can only guess is going to be murder. Right. Uh, pets start disappearing, yeah, killed, yeah, yeah. and and it looks very British and very sort of very black comedy. Yeah, yeah. yeah you hit it right yeah, on the head. Yeah. Looks good. Yeah. So. Um, and then finally, uh, this is a three episode miniseries. Uh, Amazon BBC. Hugh Grant. Um, it's called A Very English Scandal. It's about the Jeremy Thorpe scandal. Yes. Um, he was a prime minister dude who was married, who had a double life with a, as, as a, with a gay lover. Right. That guy came forward. 
they tried they were going to kill him or they tried to kill him right right and it all blew up in the and hilarity space. ensues hilarity <laughs> ensues yeah it looked good it looks it looks fun i mean Hugh Grant really playing with yeah being Hugh Grant yeah. very 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 cool it looks very cool uh i recognize the young actor too his his mm-hmm. in quotes love interest but i couldn't remember where i'd seen him before yeah um, but yeah. i know i have it's more that cool shit Amazon's doing yeah. and all the other... You know what I heard? I heard that stock price, net or stock worth, mm. Netflix sur- na- has now surpassed Disney. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's bananas. Damn. Um, I missed that boat. I know, right? <laughs> uh, are you, did you see anything this week that you wanted to talk about? Uh, yeah, there's something called... <coughs> There's a documentary that I watched on Amazon Prime that was recommended by a friend called Vor King. Okay. Um, are you familiar with Vor porn? No. Okay, so Vor refers to uh, people who have this fetish about being swallowed. Okay. Okay. So, um, it, and it, it, it's not just that. It can have anything to do with eating. Okay. Uh, uh, I've heard of that. Okay. But but the big thing is being swallowed, and it usually by something. Well, obviously, if you're being swallowed, it's something big. So it's a spotlight on this guy who makes zero budget porn movies involving this cast of monsters that he's created in his basement. They're all like wow. made out of like. Um, uh, you know, foam cushions from your couch and shit, and so he he finds these actresses, and then they, they you know the basically the monsters have sex with these ladies, and then it ends with the monsters swallowing them. And there's this whole. Uh, it's important to have a formula. Sub yeah, it's this. There's this whole subgenre of porn that I didn't know anything about, and then I saw this, and then I'm like, I start looking at it, like, oh my god, there's like. There's, There's a lot a of million it? of the, yeah exactly V O R V O R E and it's called Vor King and it is a fascinating documentary. Wow, <clears throat> no, and it's one of those things where it's like you can't decide if <laughs> this is me. Say, this is me stupefied. <laughs> I'm trying to piece this together in my head. You, it's one of those things where it's like it's a really good spotlight of a person. Mm-hmm. I. I do feel like they the directors went out of their way to kind of make him look shittier than he is. Mm. I don't think he's as shitty as they make him appear. I think that he's, uh, well, it, it, myself and Lorelai were talking about this, and we were like, we think he's on the spectrum. And okay, um, and you know, and I didn't know about any of this stuff until. Uh, but he's got an IMDb. <laughs> Yeah, he does, and yeah, he does, and and this documentary is about him. It's called War King. I'm kind of interested. You, I gotta check it's this on out. Amazon Prime. Right on. Uh, you gotta check it out. It's it's trippy. He was also a horror host for a while. <laughs> so, because of course he well, was. Of course he was. Yeah. So that's what I watched. Right on. Uh, we watched the uh, the break with Michelle Wolf. Oh wow. And wow, I hope it gets better. <laughs> like it's a half, it's twenty something minutes, and we're watching it about halfway through. I kept, I let, look, gave my wife the side. I like, is it just me or is this? So hopefully it'll get better. Uh-huh. Um, but what I saw 
wasn't very good. Uh, the other thing uh, I'm going to watch tonight um, on Letterman's show uh, on Netflix. Yeah. His new guest this month is Howard Stern. Nice. So I'm I'm kind of into that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you reading anything? Um. No. <laughs> I mean, and, and not know. really. I, I I haven't picked up anything new. Right. Like I had, I had gone back and kind of reread reread the terror because I was watching. All oh, right. Um, and I was reading the Stephen King thing, which I finished. Uh-huh. Um, um, so since then, no, I have not been reading anything. Yeah, I'm still slugging on some some Don Pendleton. <laughs> the, this <laughs> this mission to Burma thing, I got to tell you, man, it's it's just. By the way, do you remember that band? There was a band called Mission, Mission to Burma. Burma. Yeah, 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 yeah. But this is just, it's so violent, and it just, things just happen for no good reason, really. It's just, just it everything gets propelled forward. Um, so there's that. Uh, let's see. Anything you want to talk about music that you've heard? I have a couple things. Um, I was introduced to a band called the Tiger Lilies. There we go. They're great. Yeah. Yeah, they're great. Yeah. Um... Uh, had a Bleeding Ham meeting the other day. Oh, nice. And we are going El Grande for the night gallery. Oh, good. We've booked uh, an amazing uh, venue. It's great. And uh, we're looking to maybe have a band. Oh, wow. Um, there's there's going to be a lot of great stuff this year. So. Oh, that's very cool. Yeah. And, right on. Uh, and now that I'm not working at the hospital, I might even get to be able to attend. Woohoo! Uh, a bunch of stuff here. Some of this stuff, yeah, we'll go through this. Uh, band name is Beach House. Record is called Number Seven. Ed Curse was just talking about this record. Mm. Think ambient meet a la Portishead. Okay. It was quite good. Galactic Empire Episode Two. It's a rock-based score for. It's clearly based on Star Wars, but it's. It, they don't play Star Wars themes, but they play things like. It's Star Wars theme in a minor key. Right, exactly. Kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. Eric Wolo, uh, Threshold Point. It's a scout, soundscape record. Um, lots of birds chirping. You've been listening to a lot of this stuff lately. I listen to a lot of this stuff. We're getting this. to the other stuff. Uh, some band, some guy told me about called the Appalachian Picking Society. <laughs> These guys are really good. Dude, it's badass, right? I they're love that They're really album. good. And again, the fact that they're on Wyndham Hill blows me away. But yeah. They're really good. It's it's bluegrassy, picky, folky. You got Black. Yeah, you got, you got a whole bunch of people. It is just, something else. It's so good. Um, I stumbled upon a pop rock record by a group called Wel- Welshly Arms. The record's called No Place Is Home. It's good. It's it's not what you expect, hmm. but it's pop. It's pop rock, but it, it was good. Uh, we're almost done. Nathan Whitehead's score to uh, a, mo- a horror film called Stephanie. Hmm. It's generic soundtrack music meets soundscape. Sure. Um, Kalamazoo Orchestra doing a night called Play It Again, Marvin. It's the music of Marvin Hamlish. Oh, wow. Don't ask me why I listen to this. <laughs> but this is a record that you could easily put on for your your grandparents. And they sure. would love um and then Steve Roach's Slow Heat. It's a re-release of a. It's a soundscape record. Lots of, you know, it's like room tone in hell, for one of a better word. Sure. And then finally, this one really blew me away. Thunder Pussy has a new re- has a self-titled record out, and I expected like I I'd, I'd heard Nashville Pussy and I'd heard Rock mm, Bitch right, and right, that right. kind of stuff, mm. but Thunder Pussy's record. 
at first you get turned off because it has songs like Utero Tango and that kind of nonsense. Right, right. But there's a depth to the, the musicianship and the songwriting that it, it's it's really good. And I yeah. don't feel particularly great saying that because um, it it should be kind of a novelty record. Well, you know, yeah, yeah, I think there's something to there's something to um, being crass. Yeah. And yet artistic at the same time. Yeah, and they definitely straddle that line really, yeah, really uh, well. The Cramps is a really good example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah because yeah, yeah, yeah. I love The Cramps. Yeah. And if some of those titles were coming from anybody else, I wouldn't give them the time of day. But because it's The Cramps, I listen. Mm-hmm. You, you know? get it. It's like yeah. 45 Grave or, or those yeah. kind of things. It's so any it's, band that hangs its hat on a hook. Well, it's like I told you recently, I went to Scarecrow Video for the yeah, first yeah, time. Yeah. The, the famous place in, in Seattle. Seattle. And uh, they have a, they have a sexploitation area. And I was just going through just logging titles. Because they were, they were so great. It's like Splendor in the Ass. <laughs> Splitting wood. Yeah. You know, spread eagle. I'm like, I love the, if nothing else, I love these titles. Yeah. Know, and, it, and it reflects this time. Yeah. It, you know? It's like, where it's all like, yuck, yuck, yuck. Yeah, you guys, you kids today, you forget how hard porn used to be to get. Yeah. Now, know? it's not imaginative at all. It's like, it's on you your know, phone. It's ass blasters, you know, yeah. part 15. And instead of, you know, like somebody like actually trying to come up with something clever. Yeah. <laughs> Splendor in the ass, man. That was my favorite. My favorite was a it was a parody of Pumping Iron. It was Pumping Irene. <laughs> Alright. So uh next week I we have something really cool. I don't know what it is. I do, but I don't. Anyway. Uh <laughs> Thanks again to Chet Czar um, yeah. for, for coming on. That was uh, awesome. Yeah. Fantastic interview and an, an amazing artist. If you're not familiar with this stuff, please just Google Chet Czar. You're going to be amazed. Yeah, he's he's like that Paul Komoda kind of like exactly. jaw-dropping good. You're, yeah, you're yeah, like, holy stuff. shit. Um, please go to our Facebook page. Please tell a friend. Our numbers this month were the highest ever. Yeah. And it's super, super cool. Uh, if you think about it and you got an extra five bucks, please go to Amazon and buy my book, one of my books. And if you have bought it, please review it because reviews are important. Also, coming up really soon on the Bleedingham um, webpage, um, there's going to be items for sale on the store. Nice. And uh, so that's going to be really cool. Um, we're also going to be doing some cross-promotion stuff where we're going to be putting the, the links to the bonus material podcast on that page and it's like I've said before there's like three things that kind of in my mind revolve around each other and that's Crypticon Bleedingham and the bonus material podcast Mm. and I'm hoping to see this kind of umbrella thing where we're we're all starting to kind of mix together I mean it kind of already happens but I I, I think in a more demonstrative way that's going to be happening more and more right on I think I'm going to Monster Palooza in September. Dude. I think we're... I'm saving all of my... I get tips now. Yeah. I work at a weed store, which is hilarious. <laughs> and I'll have to tell you guys about that sometime. But, um, yeah, the tips are all going into a jar, and I figure that'll get me enough Monster Palooza. Right on. Awesome. All right. Thanks for listening, guys. We really appreciate it for the Bonus Material Podcast. I'm Tom Carnot. And I'm Langley West. Stay scary.
Lord, eat deal.